Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Bundesliga Gegenpressen podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Whether you're an avid cyclist, work out at the gym, or just want to be more comfortable in everyday activity, Manscaped is the product for you. As an avid cyclist, but also as a sports journalist who sits for long periods during work, Manscaped got everything. From the crop preserver that reduces shaving, which is ideal for whenever I do a long ride, to the crop reviver, which revives my balls after sitting for long periods. I'm with you, Manu. I love their products. As a personal trainer, I couldn't recommend any cropping or grooming product more highly. Go to manscaped.com now and use the promo code GEGEN2021. That's G-E-G-E-N-2021 and get 20% off. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me. As always, is writer for Transfer Mark, Manuel Veith. Manu, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pretty good, Bryce. I'm really excited about the um, the show. I'm really excited to talk 45 minutes about Leeds United. I'm just kidding. Of course, we are talking about the Bundesliga. But yeah, I'm really good, Bryce. I'm really excited about today's guest. Uh, I think she is going to be very, very good. And I'm really, really looking forward to hear all her opinions about the Bundesliga. Yeah, absolutely. And I must say, I need lifting up after that Köln result against Mainz. That didn't exactly go to plan, did it? But um, yes, as Manu has mentioned, Chris will not be with us um, again this week. And there's not two of us. So there's three of us. And we've brought on the fantastic football consultant and editor, Yasmin Baba. Yasmin, thank you very much for coming on and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be on. So, Yasmin, for anyone that doesn't know out there who you are, first of all, shame on them. (laughs) But um, can you tell us um, a little bit about your background, you know, how you've come to get involved with uh, German football, especially? I don't even know that myself. I ask myself that question every day. Um, I was always into my sports and always kind of watched German football. But the last two, three years, I've really picked up Um, Just being in the football industry and then talking to mainly people in German football until I decided to move here five months ago. And since then, I've really kind of taken off in just doing loads of German bits and bobs. Um, I'm an editor for the International Football Institute and a consultant freelance part time, just advising on next moves for people. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. We are very excited to you know, get into this match day and I suppose the Champions League action as well and uh, hear your opinion on it all. So I suppose we'd better get to the action, starting off with this. Oh, here they come again. Lovely work. It's got to be. It's off the post. Off the post from Silva. Still there with Dorm. Dorm gets a shot away. And he's in. The goalkeeper, Castile, has got a left palm to it. But somehow, to get the better of Castiles for the fourth time in one game. 
yes, not much of a surprise when you you talk about Eintracht Frankfurt. Sure, them scoring all the time. But Wolfsburg conceding four? Oh, didn't see that one coming. Manu, what a crazy game. It, what an amazing game. Um, I think that's exactly what you kind of expect when the third and fourth best team in German football play against each other. You 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 want fireworks. You want the spectacle, right? You want exciting football and, and and oftentimes especially in games that are of this importance right because we're talking about a match that had crucial champions league points on the line um teams go and kind of hide themselves in their shell and i'm i was really glad that in this instance they didn't that both teams kind of really went out there and really tried to play incredible football and, and you know frankfurt in particular they they have a side. I mean, they had one year where they where they were kind of trying to reinvent themselves, right? Last season, but when you, we followed them now for some time, and they've always been a team that has been a lot of fun to watch. And I'm kind of really happy that they've always stayed true to that, even in what is probably the most defining year in in the the club's existence in some time, right? So yeah, it's exactly what we want to see. It's a great advert for the Bundesliga. And I think it's going to be a great advert for the Bundesliga to have both those teams in, in the Champions League next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yasmin, would you agree with Manu um, about that? I mean, it's an exciting time if you're a Wolfsburg fan, but I suppose an Eintracht fan too. Yeah, I mean, the quality of both teams in different areas, particularly you know, Eintracht Frankfurt in attack and Wolfsburg more in defence has been outstanding. I think a lot, especially in Wolfsburg's defence across the league, you don't really see, especially in this season, not many clubs are defending quite well. Um, defensive structures are just all over the place. No one's really reinventing anything. And it's only really Wolfsburg and Leipzig with solid defensive structures. Um, obviously, it didn't work this time, but I think that's just a testament to Eintracht Frankfurt's attack. They've had Daichi Kamada for quite a while, who's always seemed to be this catalyst in attack. And for them to get back Jovic, just Silver out playing, having a wonderful season, and Philip Kostic as well. I mean, they didn't even play Amin Yunus, I and mean, he's been great. Um, so, yeah, it was a fantastic game. If you look at some of the underlying numbers as well, it, there weren't that many big chances to be had. Eintracht Frankfurt scored four goals from around 0.8 XG. It's a very, very wild game. Yeah, that's it. They only had five shots on target, scoring four of them. Pretty impressive. And Vout Weghorst, he got on the score sheet once again, 51 goals for Wolfsburg all inside the area. It's quite the poacher, isn't he? But um, Manu, we talked about last week how Dortmund and Eintracht Frankfurt were racing for the Champions League spots. And, you know, that that seems to be done and dusted now, you would say, with, with this result. Um, it's It's been a fantastic season for them to get back into, you know, in with Europe's finest. Well, it's the first time that they will be in the Champions League, right? And they never gotten there. Um, I think... I think it's really this is one of those crucial moments in, in in Frankfurt's club history because you kind of sense that with them finally getting into the Champions League, it kind of closes a chapter on 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 the story of the club, doesn't it? Because you had Freddy Bobic come in and um, 
reinvent a club that was always kind of like really underperforming by quite a bit. I mean, this is this was for some time a yo-yo club between Bundesliga 2 and Bundesliga. And he's come in and sort of reinvented the the approach of how to recruit players, bring in players and um, selling them on with a profit, but also trying to keep building the level up every single year. And yeah, it didn't always work. I mean, remember last year when they missed out in Europe, but in that time, they've also won the DFB Pokal against Bayern Munich, right? And um, it is seems pretty much confirmed now that Freddy Bobic is going to leave the club and head off to to Hertha Berlin. And you do sense that that's a closing of a of a chapter, but maybe also a necessary closing of the chapter because, like, maybe his his job is just done there, right? Um, the 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 key is, of course, to hand it over to someone who can. Um, both carry on the project, but also ensure that the project keeps growing. And I think that's really going to be the next interesting step in, in Frankfurt's club history. But this is massive for the city of Frankfurt, for the club Eintracht Frankfurt, a, a place that has some of the best fan experience in the world. And, you know, when you go to the Waldstadion and it's full, it's a fantastic place to be. And I, I was very lucky to have done it a few times as a journalist. And um, I, I hope that fans will be back next year so that they can experience this. Um, I'm really curious, though, Yasmin, what what you think that you you bring up a really interesting point about Wolfsburg and the, and the defending, and it has been so excellent all year, right? Um, what in, what exactly did you see that Frankfurt did in this instance to undo that, and what can we take away from that when we see a club like Frankfurt play in the Champions League next year? Well, I don't think Eintracht Frankfurt did anything different. Um, I mean, their chances were limited. As um, Bryce said, there was only five of them on target, only four, and they've scored four out of that. That is just some absolutely outstanding technical work, which we've seen all season from Frankfurt. But also, there are some lucky bits to that. Not all shots that you're going to get on target are going to get in, but having the quality definitely helps. Um But Champions League for them is going to be... I think you're right. People, I really hope the fans are in for both um, Wolfsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt. I think it means a little more for Frankfurt's Champions League campaign if they have the fans back. Um, Just from personal experience, the amount of times I've seen Frankfurt in um, Arsenal in the Europa League... And the amount of their fans that have just completely taken over the stadium, that their fans especially can give them that extra edge even. Um, And yeah, I think it depends on a lot of things. I mean, we've talked about Bovic under Frankfurt and maybe his job is just done. Depends on who they get in. It depends on if Adi Hutter stays with Frankfurt as well. I think there's a lot of talk of him going Gladbach. And from my my kind of logic and feeling against it, doesn't really make sense. But I think it would be a great loss if they lost Hütter. If Jovic goes back to Real Madrid, if Silva gets picked up by, let's say, a Premier League club, there's been some talk with Tottenham and Wolves in the past. Um, and there's loads of like different things that could change for Frankfurt. So I... I, I want to see how those play out before I can even state my claim on how Frankfurt would do. And Wolfsburg, if they keep this up, and it, again, depends on them um, if Valt Weghorst stays, because that's been a big 
part of their goals this season. But the rest of the structure doesn't seem to be um, going to break anytime soon. And I think that's a really good, solid structure to take into a, a quality competition and like that. What did you make of Ludwig's statements yesterday at the Aktuelle Sportstudio? <laughs> Some really controversial stuff about vaccination and he seems I, I don't want to use the word anti-vaxxer because that's that's a very heavily loaded term right but it does seem like something that could become something very controversial down the road um yeah i i wasn't exactly impressed by his comments yesterday or comments in the past this has been something that has been going on for a few months now he's posted stories on instagram with like inform yourself which are more geared to anti-vaccine statements and I think what Wolfsburg has come out and said uh, just saying we want to just get him to clarify his position on this which I think means we're going to tell you to sit up and put out the you can't say this stuff in the middle of a pandemic you you are a role model with whether you like it or not and you're going against you know, factual statements going against public health um, information from an uneducated view compared to scientists and doctors is a very, very bad look. And I, I don't, you can't really control someone not speaking out in something they believe in, but if it's in terms of carrying something like a reputation where your words actually matter, they do have to deal with that. And I wonder how strong Wolfsburg will um, come down on him because they, some of his colleagues have had COVID and had COVID. We've had Leipzig, uh, Hui Chan have long COVID. Uh, Rami Bentzbeini, another one, was out for quite a few, like around six weeks with it. it it's not nice and a lot of those players will need to be vaccinated for the good of the rest of their teams um and staff so yeah we'll see if that any more kind of outburst comes out from them yeah i said yesterday it will be really awkward when we all need vaccination passports to travel to champions league games and woods uh passport is empty and what are you going to do if they can't take him to anywhere to play anywhere because he refuses to get a vaccination i mean th these are topics that are going to come about right um because we will probably need vaccination passports to travel so it's a really interesting and fascinating story and i, I guess there is a certain segment percentage of the population that believes in this in this stuff so not so surprising that there would be also players in the bundesliga would believe in it but i guess that's almost going to be the next stage of this um what are we going to do with players that need to travel internationally for club football and don't have a vaccination passport because i do think vaccination passports are going to be a part of the reality it's, it's really interesting yeah it certainly will be interesting to see just what the club statement is and the future holds for him when it comes to these different areas but um guys let's get back to champions league and let's talk uh Borussia Dortmund so no one really gave them a chance may I say uh, last Tuesday when they came up against Manchester City uh, they were playing away from home and they came away with a very respectable 2-1 loss yes it's still a loss but there's that away goal uh, Yasmin they're playing this week they're on Wednesday night and they're at home how much of a chance do you give them of progressing through to the next round oh I I can't tell with them. I don't know. When they conceded against Man City, 
I just thought, okay, you know, it's something we're going to see against what we saw against Man City, against Gladbach, and that's it. They're just going to carve them open. And, you know, Dortmund proved me wrong. They have the quality, and we all know Pep Guardiola teams in the Champions League since his time at Bayern can be shaky in these knockout rounds. Uh, So it's honestly 50-50. I don't really want to be a fence-sitter, but I feel like I have to. Um, Dortmund definitely have the quality and the intensity to um, make it hard for Man City. It's just their defence. And we saw against Stuttgart this week that sometimes they just look a little bit naive and young in and they don't know how to exactly keep the ball at times and they just thrive on intensity at the moment and uh with I do have to admit though I've seen more of a team worker Haaland despite some of his body language at times when they may uh, mess up a lead or mess up a chance has been quite immature but his play has evolved a little bit recently, which is really nice to see. And if I think if we see more of that Holland come out on Wednesday night, I think we've got a better chance than most. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you're right with that. Uh, I think we need uh, big performances across the field, don't we, for them to uh, pull this one off. Uh, but uh, Manu, it's 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 a more exciting prospect than what we thought we would have. You know, uh, this time one week ago. Yeah, I'm with Yasmin. I thought when that first goal was in, I'm like, okay, well, here it goes. And then it didn't. And uh, I think they they were actually hugely disappointed about that, conceding that second goal late, which is was very unfortunate. Um, and they were very unfortunate to had a good goal chalked off. Um, Bellingham's goal, right, that didn't stand um, because his supposed tackle on Ederson, and when you really look closely, there was really nothing to that. And it should have stood. So maybe a 2-2 would have been the fair result, which is would have been an amazing result. And don't get me wrong, 2-1, um, like losing 2-1 on the road in the Champions League is a good result, right? Because you essentially only need to win 1-0 at home and you're through. Um, I'm not sure Dortmund have the ability to necessarily win a game 1-0 at home against Manchester City. I don't know if that's quite in their DNA. I'm, I'm if you mean is. There's some issues in defense. Um, you know, there's some immaturities in defense that you see from players that should have really the experience not to display those immaturities. I mean, Emre Shans, uh, when he gave away the first goal against City, for example, and you see them making really immature mistakes throughout this entire Bundesliga campaign. Um, our, our, our buddy Stefan Bienkowski was quite regularly in this podcast. He described Dortmund as a bunch of kids playing on the field, um, like, head, like headless kids playing on the field, running around with a ball. I thought that was quite fitting in some ways. As there seems to be a lot of structure missing at times. And I think Dortmund have recognized that. There's been all sorts of names um, being mentioned to, to fix the defensive problems in, in the long term. But I'm not sure that they can just go out and beat City 1-0. I, I, I happily take that result and I'd be happy if that happens. And, um, you know, lots of things have surprised me in recent weeks when it comes to German teams in the Champions League. Maybe this is going to be one of those things. But a 1-0 victory over City is going to be extremely difficult. Yeah, they certainly get their work cut out for them, don't they? Well, how about we talk about uh, their league match uh, this weekend just in a matter of moments. 
Hi, it's Chris. I've just dropped in to remind you that this episode of Gagan Pressing is brought to you by Manscaped. And just like the Bundesliga, it's best to have fresh, deodorized and clean balls ready to support your own hygiene protocol. Visit manscaped.com now and use the code Gagan2021 to get 20% off all products. Okay, yeah. So going back to Dortmund, um, Yasmin, you mentioned that you know, obviously the performance against uh, Stuttgart uh, this weekend. You know, yes, there were lots of goals, I suppose, but there there was a sense of um, a little bit of immaturity, wasn't there? Your man who touched on that as well. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because they lost to Man City and were praising them, and now they've beat Stuttgart and we're kind of not talking about them as positively. It's it's a bit funny in this way, but. Um, yeah, there, there was lots of issues on display, wasn't there, for Dortmund? Yeah, and I think a little bit more worryingly against Stuttgart that is that Stuttgart were a little bit unlucky with the result. Um, despite scoring three goals, the underlying numbers had it Dortmund closer to one. And that is, again, I've said it in the past, that down to quality... Um, Haaland might have not scored, but you know, you've still got Jude Bellingham, Marco Royce, and um, super sub Ansgar Knauf. Sorry for my butchering of that pronunciation, I stutter a little. Um, and you know, these when you have that kind of quality, you can make little chances go for you, but. You know, it's not always going to be that way. Sometimes one XG gets you zero goals, and it's really about the chances that you create. It's a good indicator of the goals that you're going to score, and you can't rely on good quality getting you out time and time again if you're not creating those chances. But yeah, again, the kind of um, Kanji, Hummels, Chan, Mori, especially. Um, they're quite naive in possession and that's something they've always kind of struggled in um, this time despite them actually scoring quite a lot of goals um, when they're trying to just keep the ball they just seem quite jittery and their older players seem more so to make a mistake it was just I think for Stuttgart's second goal when Mori just tried to pass it to another player and just completely messed it up and you're just like, if they make these mistakes against Man City, then they'll definitely not go through. They make these mistakes again and again in the league. You know, we've got the situation that they're in now. They're seven points still off the Champions League places. You know, they're fighting between Europa League and Conference League. There is a real situation that, that they might not even get Europa League if they keep this up. And, you know, it's... It's very tough when you think, you know, some of those talents that they have that gets them out of jams like this might be gone come summer. Yasmin, just to stick with you um, at the moment, what have you thought of Terzik's uh, reign at Dortmund, you know, over the last few months? And uh, how much do you think things will change when Rosa turns up for next season? That is a really interesting one because I don't think... Compared to Terzic's background, um, I think he's done pretty well. I think he's done the best that someone of his background and expertise and experience, um, you know, going against City, going in Champions League knockouts. It's a real, real um, 
kind of really been thrown into the deep end, really. And the way he's coped with that is quite brilliant. He's brought a little bit more fiery intensity to the game. The players like him, which is quite a selling point for Dortmund. And um, it's quite a shame if he gets them through... Man City in the Champions League and gets them even further in the Champions League if they win DFB Pokal. Have you have to kind of ask the question, have Dortmund acted in a trigger happy way? They didn't like Lucien Favre, fair enough, but with Enterzic, you've actually got someone who the players like and isn't too bad. Will he learn more? Do they expect something better of Rose? Doza? You know, I've really, really enjoyed his reign at the moment. Um, and I'm kind of thinking if Dortmund know what they're doing next. Yeah, this is it. It's going to be interesting times that lie ahead. Also for Dortmund, we've mentioned that. It seems uh, that phrase, interesting times ahead you know, for, for quite a few clubs, but it's certainly going to be the case with them. Manu, you wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the financial issues that may be coming for Dortmund. Yeah, Yasmin kind of touches on that, right? Um, Europa League seems to be, I mean, it's not even sure that they're in the Europa League and um, that winning the DFB Pokal will get you there. And I think there's a good chance that they could, although Leipzig will probably want to have a word on that. Um, Finishing where they are right now, um, Leverkusen can go even on points with them tomorrow by the time we record the Sunday right Monday day the Monday night game but the Europa League is going to be very crucial for them to be at least in the Europa League the Conference League I mean we have said a few things about the Conference League and the necessity of having a third competition in Europe so I don't want to touch too much on that but it's not going to make Dortmund any money the reality is that the Europa League actually makes a lot more money for for bigger teams like um, Dortmund than people think. Um, and I want to touch on that because of, of Frankfurt. Frankfurt was saying, like, yes, being in the group stage of the Champions League makes you more money, but um, bonus payments and had the need of a bigger squad take quite a bit away from that. And actually, for a team that has a lot of attendance, like German teams usually do in Europe, right, once you get to the the round of sixteen um, quarterfinal stage of the Europa League, you actually about you actually make about as much money as you do in the group stage of the Champions League, which is the only guaranteed sum that you have as a as a team, right? So it wouldn't be the end of the world as long as Dortmund have a deep run in the Europa League next year, and on top of that, um, attendance are back, and so this, these are the two factors, right? Like you, once if attendance are back next year in stadiums and i actually think that when you look at the vaccine rollout and the the amount of shots that are given um, on a daily stage in germany now i know it was a slow start but when you look at the numbers now i think there will be attendance come september october in german stadiums and that's going to make a huge difference and i think when if they are in the europa league on a financial aspect they should be just fine um i think it's going to be a more difficult part explaining to players like erling Haaland and possibly even Jaden sanchez like look we don't want to sell you. The market is terrible. Um, you know, you know, my main job is to work for Transfermarkt and to, to look at the market 24-7. And the market this summer is going to be absolutely terrible. No one is going to be able to spend this, the amount of money that we discussed last week on this podcast that Holland's, uh, Holland transfer, for example, is going to acquire, right? And I think in that sense, getting at least into the Europa League will be 
will be detrimental for Dortmund's future. Um, but as as been said, like even that isn't one hundred percent secure right now. No, it isn't. Um, just before we move on, uh, I, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about Gladbach, uh, Yasmin. Um, obviously, Rose is leaving. Uh, they've they've had torrid time recently, haven't they, with their form and uh, a draw at the weekend against Hertha. To be honest, when they had a man less on the field with Sommer being sent off, uh, it's probably not a bad result, really. But again, not not maybe a result they would have wanted going into that game. You know, for a team who was so good last season, and I think if you compare that Hertha result to what they did last season, it's a bad result. If you compare that fixture now, it doesn't seem so bad just because of how bad Gladbach have been. And yeah, it seems like everything fell apart after the announcement that Rosa was going to Dortmund. But... (laughs) You know, I've I've touched on this a lot of times through some of the pieces that I've written and things I've said. It's just, I personally don't think Rose is the right man for Dortmund. Um, I think he's still quite naive and lacks quite a lot of the tactical nails you need to compete with Bayern if the Dortmund board expects that. Um, I think he's a great man-manager. And I think that is something that Dortmund do need more of and what they're seeking. Um, but everything's gone apart, it's like pulled apart for that team. The one thing that you did have that man management just went through the window. It's not that players don't exactly believe in him right now because everyone still plays. I think it's a kind of a myth that you not lose the dressing room, but that players play against their team. That's not ever right but there is something that's missing and I wonder if he has something like this at Dortmund you'd see the sporting director stick sticking to him we saw how quickly Bosch went in the Dortmund era and yeah but Gladbach have completely lost everything I don't expect any I know they're not far off but the results what a win against Freiburg and Schalke out of how long isn't going to get them into Europe. You've got arguably Stuttgart, who's better than them, who are newly promoted. And yeah, it's quite sad times for for Gladbach right now. And everyone got excited when there was news of Xavi Alonso being the next head coach. And because of that, you know, whatever appointment they're going to make is probably not as exciting Unless it is Adi Hitter, because then, you know, Gladbach probably will get a structure in place. Yeah, I think everyone got excited about that, didn't they? That that would have been a, a lot of hipsters' choices, I think, and also just a lot of football fans in, in general. I mean, he just seems you know very likable, doesn't he, Zabi? But um, anyway, uh, let, let's uh, move on uh, next, and we're going to talk about champions Bayern Munich. It's nicely left by Andrich, who's had a tidy game. In midfield, and here he goes. Robert Andrich, goalkeeper slow to come out, and they've squeezed it in. Marcus Ingvartsen. And there is a twist in the title race. Bayern are stunned, and Union Berlin have snatched an equaliser. Marcus Ingvartsen makes it 1 1. 
Yeah, so it's not been a good week for Bayern Munich. They've slipped up, um, dropping some points against Union Berlin. Uh, five minutes from time, finishing 1-1. Manu, I'd, I mean, I suppose, you know, we would say that this is a bad result by Bayern Munich standards, but uh, that there was quite a lot of rotation. There was a, a few faces that people wouldn't normally uh, associate with the starting eleven. Yeah, um, I think Hansi Flix and Hassan Salihamidzic's favorite player, Bunasar, getting the start. Um, that, that, that's one been one big topic all season long, right? Another player who has been um, in the vocal point between those two, uh, Thiago Dantas, getting the start. Um, Stanisic playing right back. Javi Martinez playing center back. I think this was a very experimental side. Uh, you could say it was probably also a, a political statement by the, by the head coach. I think that Hansi Flick, and there's so much discussion about Hansi Flick right now and where his future is going to go. And uh, he's now decided that he's just going to say no comment whenever he's asked about his future, which is probably, I think, the right thing to do. I mean, as you see, the, see all sorts of journalists that deal with Hansi Flick uh, on a regular basis and I think he's he's said everything there is to say, and he's not going to admit his future. And I think when you look at look at the squad and the the, the the way he put out the squad, I think there was a little bit of an underhand statement in terms of well, I'm going to play Hassan's guy, and I'm going to play my guy, and um, we're going to see how it goes. And I think the result was was a mixed bag, and I think it was probably also maybe the right time to, to make that kind of statement because he has to rotate the side, right? He has to rotate the side ahead of a crucial Champions League match against PSG, which I don't think is over yet, even though they lost the, the first leg 3-2. I think I can see Bayern scoring three-plus goals uh, in, in Paris, and I can see them win the game two by two goals. I mean, it, it's all possible. But it was an interesting time to, to make this sort of statement. I think when you look at this result 1-1, right? No damage has been done yet because it's still five points to Leipzig. What is going to be interesting to see is what is happens if they go out to PSG, right? There's more injuries in the squad and then they lose the next game next week to Wolfsburg and all of a sudden the five go to two points and two titles are already gone. I think that's when things are going to be interesting and where this lineup which I personally think, I, I'm curious what you think, Yasmin, but I personally think that lineup was a statement and reflects a lot of things that are going on at Bayern that are taking place off the pitch. I think this result right there, right now is okay, but it has the potential that maybe in a couple of weeks from now, we're going to talk about it quite a bit more than we are right now. Yeah, I agree. It was a statement um, team that he put out. And, you know, all we've heard the last few weeks, especially since the... Uh, national team vacancy has come up from the summer is just his kind of friction with Samir Hamicic. Um and yeah that sounded like very much a statement I think it started it's been a while since things haven't been completely right between the two um there were a few players uh Flick couldn't get and then obviously Tiago went um and then they couldn't keep Alaba. And now it seems to look like Boateng's the final straw, not keeping him. Um, so, you know, that with a vacancy where Flick would fit very, very well in, you can see that 
he is probably trying to maybe not push himself out for the job, but if he's not happy with how things are being run and Sally Hamicic is not quite happy with Flecky there and you've got those phrase, then that is something you would do, especially when you need to rotate because you feel like you don't have the depth or the quality that you had last season. I mean, they lost one big player and they can't see who's really going to step up for, you know, some of those games when they need to rest Goretzka and if they need to rest Kimmich. And... Yeah, I I wonder, I mean, we're looking at a situation that could possibly set off a whole Bundesliga managerial merry-go-round. But yeah, I think it next the next two games are absolutely crucial in determining what happening what happens next. They go out to PSG, which is again incredibly likely even though it's not over. Then we've got this massive game against Wolfsburg, who aren't going to lie down, who are very good at stopping teams get past them. And then we may have an early title race. I mean, if he loses, if he doesn't come out with at least the Bundesliga title, Holly Hamicic won't want to exactly keep him if he can get maybe Nagelsmann instead. And I'm very sure national team will suit Flake absolutely fine. I don't think he's a manager who will want to go to England or go to Gladbach because he's won everything. So, yeah, next two games, absolutely crucial. Yeah, they absolutely are. Um, Manu, obviously I put uh, Yasmin under a bit of pressure uh, to say which way does she see uh, the Dortmund game uh, going midweek. But what way do you see the uh, Bayern game going in Paris? I'm always optimistic. Um, I want all the German teams to do well in Europe, right? And um, I think that Bayern have a chance to go through. And I think that it'd be also very crucial for the Bundesliga title race for Bayern to go through because I think them being stretched on two fronts will make it more interesting in the league. I think that when you... We talk a lot about XG, right? Um, And the XG in the first leg was 4-1 Bayern. (laughs) I mean, if Lewandowski plays that game, they win that game 6-3. Let's be honest here. And I do think that Bayern have the better team, even without Lewandowski. But two goals is difficult. Um, it is difficult unless they score, you know, four um, and concede maybe three. I mean, that it's, it's all possible. And I think it sets up very nicely a second leg that comes with a lot of anticipation. I said um, after the first leg that that, the first leg was probably the, the kind of game that we all hoped for in August when they played against each other in the Champions League. I mean, everyone talks about City against Bayern and a potential Champions League final and how great that would have been. But PSG is up there. They are like they are on the same level with Bayern and, and Manchester City. This is a very, very good side, right? With a lot of very good players. And I think we don't often enough put them into the same conversation because of the league that they play and a league that doesn't get the attention that it deserves in many ways. So I, I think this, this sets up a very interesting second leg. Um, not having fans in the, in the stadium means that it is more or less a neutral venue, right? And I think it's going to be very interesting. And I, I am an optimist and I think Bayern will go through. 
That's the attitude. So let's see what happens, eh? Uh, but, uh, Yasmin, we talked obviously about Bayern's uh, next two games being absolutely crucial. Um, th- that makes me then ask the question about uh, RB Leipzig. Um, you know, they, they've got two games uh, coming up, you know, uh, you know, which are very winnable, I think. You know, them playing Hoffenheim and and then playing uh, FC Köln, who I think we'll be talking about uh, briefly before we wrap things up. Um, it's crucial that they go out and they win these games. Uh, but what is the real likely chance of them having a you know a crack at the title at this late stage? I mean, it's doable. I think if there are more. Just say if they do go through against PSG, that's another few fixtures they have to go through and rotate um, with uh, quite a few injuries racking up. Um, everyone's looking at Lewandowski. Um, so, you know, the cards are still in Bayern's hands and it still bears to lose. Leipzig, I think, will go for the DFB Pokal a little bit more harder than they will the league. Um, I think everything now is just keep on doing what you're doing and see how far you get. And Leipzig don't have the same sort of striker qualities. They've got good structures and good setups. And we saw that in the game, um, Leipzig v Bayern, and, you know, the 1-0. They did so hard to shut by now, but it was that quality that shone through and just got Leipzig uh, at a disadvantage. Um, so I think DFB Pokal is something a little bit more for them. You know, this is a club that wants to win something. Can do, even though the Bundesliga is not over, DFB Pokal is just a little bit more realistic. That being said, you know, we know all what Nagelsmann can do. So it's just a wait and see and but more about Bayern not having Lewandowski. I especially want to point this to Manu. Did you think starting Chupo Moting was the right decision, or would you have tried to push Serge Gnabry in the middle? And the the big issue was that Gnabry tested positive for COVID, right? Um, so I think Chupo Moting was was the only was the only option. But yeah, I, I mean, to answer your question, yes, I think Gnabry would have been the better option. Just because, like, yeah, Chupu scored that header, right? Um, but it seemed like that it was almost like the entire attention of the game was to to, to flick balls into the box and hope for for Chupu to to be there. And I'm not sure that was necessarily the right strategy because it seemed very one dimensional. And then, of course, with Lewandowski, you have a guy who can do all sorts of things. Um, it's a difficult one, right? And I think that. One big aspect of this, um, I would not completely actually rule out Lewandowski for the second leg. We we all know who his wife is and the way he um, lives professionally, right? Um, him coming back or maybe even sitting on the bench. I, I would not be surprised if that happens. And then that would ch- change everything, right? But um, yeah, Chubo, I, I think that was who you had to go with. And um, it, it brings us back to the discussion that we had earlier on about Hassan Salihamidzic and Flick. I think that Flick wanted a very different striker as a as a as a Lewandowski replacement as a number two, sort of. And um, Chupomoting was this last minute acquisition, who is very good in the dressing room and I think brings a lot to a team, but is not necessarily the guy that you need to have up front when Lewandowski is out. No, so. 
I think we've. This was the point where we were probably going to wrap up the uh, podcast, and we had covered all the topics that we had wanted to. But some breaking news has come in, Manu, hasn't it? Yeah, Gistol has been sacked. Uh, Bryce, your club's your club's manager gone. Yasmin. I mean, uh, not much of a surprise. If Yasmin wants to actually say something, so I'm going to let her say it. But I was just going to say Peter Stöger um, announced yesterday that he was going to leave Austria Vienna. Is that a coincidence? It could be. They'll still want an interim manager and uh, Stuga's going at the end of the season, I believe. So I think it might be between him and uh, Bumgart from Paderborn. I, I would not be surprised to see them. But I'm so sorry, Bryce. Like, I, feel, I know that how my views have come across and I'm very, for obvious reasons, anti-Cone. But I think, far, I think this is a decision... That has been coming for quite a while. They haven't picked... Have they picked up a win since beating Gladbach? No, they they, they haven't. They've uh, they've um they've played eight games since then and lost six uh, and only two draws. So that was uh yeah that was the back to the start of uh, February. And I, I I was speaking to somebody just before we came on air, and I I was saying that you know that there were a few. Victories, I think, just at the turn of the year, you know, which probably give him a little bit more time, but but things were bad. They're they're really poor. You know, they're they're not a good team to watch. Uh, I think goal threat is a real issue. As I said before, we come on the pod that they have been scoring goals, but that they don't exactly have many options up top. And Anderson's been injured a lot, but he hasn't looked the player he did last year for onion i thought they were getting a, a fantastic signing there and it it hasn't just worked for him yet um but yeah i mean th- there's there's a times you know we're seeing too many midfielders uh, on the field uh, i think just because they don't really have much quality and uh, this is no surprise i mean after that uh, loss today I, I i couldn't help but think that they're going to be very lucky to uh, claw their way out of this um Either of you can talk now and, and convince me that we're going to stay up, but I, I think it's it, it's looking pretty damning, isn't it? Bryce, I have a little birdie in my ear, and a little birdie in my ear is telling me free time Funkel has taken over. You guys can decide whether or not that's going to help the club. Hopefully not. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Celeste. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. He doesn't have much time left, does he? I know it's tight down the bottom, but um, yeah, th- things are. I'm looking pretty grim. I I I just um, I'm not in the most uh, optimistic uh, of um of my going into uh, the later part of the st- season. Unfortunately, um, just uh, looking at the fixtures coming up, they've got uh, Leverkusen, then they've got RB Leipzig coming up, and then well, you've you've got to say you know even playing Osberg and Freiburg after that, it, there's no easy game for them. So it's it's going to be a, a tricky time, I think. So. Hey, um, let, let's see what happens. Anyway, we just need a new manager bound. Sorry, Yasmin, but um, I'm hoping that happens. <laughs> anyway, guys, um, it's it's been uh, fantastic. I, I think we've covered a lot, and it's always nice when some news comes in uh, when you're on the podcast rather than straight after, which seems to happen all too often. But, uh, Yasmin, you've been brilliant. Uh, we've enjoyed having you on, and uh, it would be great if you could come on again soon. Any time, just mass, drop me a message. I love doing it. Thank you for inviting me on again. Yeah, certainly make sure to follow her on Twitter as well. It's always entertaining. And 
in, insightful. Um, well, that does it on the podcast uh, today for uh, Manu and myself and Yasmin. Uh, hopefully we'll get Chris back soon, but who knows? Hey, eh? um, So enjoy the Champions League uh, games this week. There's still a lot to play for. And then we'll bring on match day 29 of Feeders In. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.